go ahead and kick things off. Um, I, I came to the table with a cocktail because these girls said they're going to have their wine and I just pulled them and they have their water. So <laughs> hopefully you guys have poured yourself a glass of wine for the discussion. So um, how did we get here today with this confidence thing? Um, boy, as a woman, we um, have women's meetings and we see a lot of this, you know, when we, when it's a women's only meeting, we see women opening up, but you know, it's part of the struggles with uh, being in corporate America, being someone that is working in high tech is having the confidence to step, stand up and say, Hey, you know, I have this idea and being okay with failure, you know, it's okay to fail, but um, certainly we do see, Everyone has it's a lack of confidence. I have a lack of confidence, but there. But I think what's interesting is these two ladies today are going to help us understand where it comes from, and how to use it. So um, we are really excited. I'm excited to have one of my dear close friends, Patty Clower, on the phone. She's always been an inspiration and a mentor to me. Um, Patty's background is a lot of data, so we worked on a lot of projects together. I was her. Uh, how do I put it? And a good, oh, I was her pimp, so I would sell her into organizations <laughs> to help. And then one day she goes, I want you to meet this woman that talks like you do, Manju. And I go, what? She goes, she's a Southerner. And I said, what's Manju all about? So, um, so we've had a couple really great calls, and the way these ladies think is, is truly amazing. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves because I think it's much more impactful. But first, I want to um, go through a little bit of um, housekeeping here. So, we will be taking we uh, taking questions in the chat. Of course, you can put them in Q and A, but that's fine. But sometimes we find that if you put them in chat, other people will you know come in and add their thoughts. And we really encourage collaboration. So let's get that chat going over there. We already are asking people where they're calling in from and saying hello. Um, I will um, stop the girls. I'll be monitoring the questions. And I'll be stopping the girls to ask them the questions at that time. And if we need, you know, if I think it's a good way for you to take your speaker off and ask it yourself, I think that's great. We really encourage your thoughts and your collaboration. I also want to tell you that we will be recording this session. So if you are not comfortable with that, we ask that it's, you know, go ahead and, and drop off. And, um, you know, but um, sorry, I just had someone come across to me saying they're running late. Uh, so anyway, we're, Alexis behind the bulb is um, recording it. So if you have any problem, let that go. Let's see. I think that's it. I am going to hand it over to Patty to introduce herself and Manju to introduce herself. And I'm going to go off because let me tell you one more thing about these two girls. I usually get to sit here and interview and we totally, I, when we got on our last call, they go, we don't need you to interview us. We got stuff down. So I'm saying whatever, biatches. So I'm going to go off. <laughs> I'm going to go off screen and let these two go at it. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Julie. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Um, there are a few of you in the audience that I know well, and, um, and some of you I haven't seen in a long time. So thank you for joining. This is pretty awesome. And um, so anyway, as an introduction to those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Patty Clower. I started out as a chiropractor but for most of my career, I've specialized in providing data strategy, data governance, and information architecture for a variety of industries, which is how I met Julie originally. Also a lifelong meditator, I created and teach a program called Hack Yourself, and it supports youth activists, artists, professionals, and entrepreneurs 
to explore and harness the art of conscious attention through mindfulness practices. So I'm particularly interested in the power of our attention relative to the time spent online and working now to raise awareness about the impact and the possibility of the attention economy. So enough about me, Manju. I'm a serial entrepreneur and my newest venture, um, I've just founded an organization called Generate Group Genius. And it is inspired simply by our times and the recognition that we need to understand ourselves and how we operate so that we can work together in a way that is inspiring, fun, and solve some of the huge problems that, we that we're facing right now. Before this, I had a very successful Bay Area uh, consulting firm uh, Felser Communications, which I also started. I did a, an eight-year stint as an executive director of a nonprofit. So I am delighted to be here with you today uh, talking about this subject because it's a subject that's really made a huge difference in the quality of my life. Oh, you want to do intentions, Patty? Yeah, let's do okay. it. So we're going to ask you if you'll take a moment just to set an intention for our time together today. I'll share with you what my intention is. It's just simply to listen deeply to Patty, myself, and each one of you and see what I can take away that is practical that I can use to pop myself into a state of full natural self-confidence. So that's my intention for today. Now, I just wanna to say to everybody who's thinking about this, I knew this was coming up and I thought about it in advance. <laughs> Patty, what's your intention? So my intention is to communicate the paradox at the heart of life itself. The fact that we are each a unique expression of energy in time and space, arising out of an infinite universal awake consciousness. And this is always present and always available to us. You are welcome to put a keyword in the chat if you want. That is a space holder for the intention that comes up for you. And something might come up right away or you might have something come up during the session itself that you wanna share. So use the chat as liberally as you'd like. I wanna kick us off with uh, what we're gonna actually do today. In the, in the flyer, we said that we are wired for survival and we're designed for success. So we're gonna look at what causes success. What, what is it in our inherent design that puts us in touch with our innate capacity for curiosity, confidence, um, creativity, and success? And number two, we're gonna talk about the obstacles that get in the way. What are our body systems? most of them wired for survival that sometimes separate us from what we really want. And how can we collaborate with those systems in a way that they support us rather than inhibit us? And then the third thing we wanna do is provide you with some takeaways that you can use that are very practical that help you shift your uh, awareness, your attention from where you don't want it to be to where you naturally rest in a level of confidence that is who you are. So I wanna talk for just a moment about the human operating system. The human operating system is brilliant and complex and we are daily learning more and more about it. 
in the mid 1800s, we recognized that um, we had 500 million neurons in our gut. Now, poets and writers and philosophers had been talking about a gut feeling of what was right or wrong for centuries, back to ancient times. But it wasn't until the mid 1800s that we discovered we actually have a gut brain. And in 1991, a Dr. Armour discovered that we have neurons in our heart. And in fact, as more and more research has been done, we recognize that this heart brain often leads the brain inside our skull. So we've got three brains in our body. Our bodies are really complex. And we know that in the fields of neuroscience, neuroplasticity, biology, neurobiology, we are learning stuff every single day about how our body operates. In, um, in March 2018, I was flipping through some headlines and I saw a Business Insider had a headline that said, we may have just discovered the largest organ in the human body. This was in March of 2018. And it was referring to the interstitial network, which is an extraordinary network of fluid that cushions all of our organs that we find in between our organs and connective tissue that surrounds our entire body. 2018, a brand new discovery. So Patty and I are gonna do our very best today to bring you up to date with our own direct experience, how we've experimented with some of the new science and what we have recognized that has given us a quality of life that we're blown away by. So we're gonna use a model today because the human operating system is so huge. We thought, okay, let's use a visual model so that you can hang any ideas or any tools uh, on this model. So I want you to visualize three golden globes. Got this idea when I was watching the golden globes. <laughs> uh, one of them we're gonna label thinking, another we're going to label universal intelligence, and the third one is our awareness, where our attention lies. And we will continue to refer to these three um, aspects of our human operating system as we work with uh, the material today. And with that, we're set up. Patty, back to you. Okay, thank you, Manju, beautiful. Thanks for setting the stage and the framework for us. So we know from the study of physics that in reality, when we look at the quantum level, we are made up of electrons circling around the nucleus of an atom and in between it is mostly space. So in reality, we are mostly space. The Japanese have a word, yutori, that implies spaciousness. They describe it as a way we are in the world and within ourselves. So I want to invite you into the spaciousness of your own being to be curious about that and to help us imagine, I'd like to introduce you to David Bohm, a physicist who was the protege of both Einstein and Oppenheimer. He dedicated his career to exploring the spaciousness of the quantum world. And in his words, the field of the finite is all that we can see, hear, touch, remember 
and describe. This field is basically that which is manifest or tangible. The essential quality of the infinite, by contrast, is its subtlety, its intangibility. This quality is conveyed in the word spirit, whose root meaning is wind or breath. This suggests an invisible but pervasive energy to which the manifest world of the finite responds. This energy or spirit infuses all living beings and without it, any organism must fall apart into its constituent elements. That which is truly alive in the living being is the energy of spirit and this is never born and never dies. That's a quote from David Bohm, the physicist. So with that inspiration, I'm gonna ask everyone to close your eyes and take a deep breath. We're gonna connect with spirit, this living spirit that David references. Take a deep breath from your belly. Lift the air all the way up to your chest. And then very slowly exhale. And when you get all the way to the bottom, wait for your body to invite your next breath. Listen, it's like the silence between two waves. And then take another deep breath. Continue to take a few deep breaths and then find your own subtle rhythm. Now I'm going to ask you to recall a time when you felt that spacious and connected sense of being infinite. That feeling when the uniqueness of you is resting in something far more vast, something that maybe can't even be named in words. Feel into this clearly and notice if there's some kind of symbol, a feeling or something that you can name that you associate with this. And then you can use this as a landmark to take you into this experience at any time. But for now, I just want you to really invite that in and really rest more very deeply into that feeling. You're accessing this core source of yourself. You'll notice there's nothing to promote, nothing to grasp, nothing to defend. You are at ease, resting fully in you. So rest here at the core of yourself. From here, you experience creativity and confidence. You can perceive, discern, determine, or simply sense into what is right and how to respond. We all share this vast universal mind. It's one of those globes that Manju just referenced. And our awareness, our unique awareness connects into that. We're always connected to it and through it to each other. 
Now I want you to take another deep breath right now and slowly bring yourself back into the outside space and you can open your eyes. And I'll ask Manjit to speak further about this framework for our awareness. Thank you so much, Patty, for giving us that direct experience of universal mind, universal consciousness, known by numbers of names. This is where our innate curiosity, creativity, and confidence resides. Now, I'm going to bump us into <laughs> a conversation about a different one of these globes. I want to look at the thinking globe right now because this is where we often get a little stuck and a little off track. And what we know scientifically is that once we understand how something works, we can work with it. We can participate in helping to shift it so that it's beneficial to us instead of creating obstacles that are getting in the way of our relaxing completely into who we are naturally. So let's talk about how our thinking works. First of all, we have thinking 24 seven happening all the time. We, re, scientific research has shown us that we have classic Americans in this culture who are immersed in this work culture have between 35 and 50,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> now there's an, um, an indigenous culture in the United States a First Nations group that when they were tested, they had about 5,000 thoughts a day. So you can see that it's very culturally impacted. So we know that we have nonstop thoughts circling in our head all the time. And when we take that globe of awareness and put it on a thought and grab that thought, often that thought feels real to us. And we most frequently have a feeling that comes with that thought, especially if it's a thought that's not beneficial, that doesn't feed the perfection of who we actually are and who we're designed to be. So how do we work with that? Um, I wanna share with you where thoughts come from. Let's do that first. We have thoughts that we get from the collective consciousness. Some of those thoughts feel very personal to us because most of us have had very similar experiences as babies, as young toddlers, uh, up to the age of seven, not getting our needs met. And so we create thoughts in that way. We get thoughts from the collective consciousness. We get thoughts from media. We get thoughts from a movie that we're watching or our conversations with friends and family, or if we binge watch something, chances are some of that enters our dream state. We have thoughts on three levels. We have conscious thoughts that we feel. We have subconscious thoughts that we feel. And we have unconscious thoughts that we also feel. So I wanna share with you now a formula I've been using for almost 40 years with leaders and clients and, and teams that I've worked with. And it is a simple formula. It's history, story, evidence. And it's the reason that we think of the thoughts that we put our attention on so often as real, because we have a history 
I was blown away when I was with my grandson when he was six weeks old and we were just loving on each other and I was lost in his magnificent eyes and all of a sudden wham I got a scream a blood curdling scream like I may have never heard in my life and this was coming from my grandson it didn't freak me out because I realized he was hungry and he was hungry in an instant that's how babies are because six weeks ago he was in an environment where when he was hungry he had food where he felt safe and warm and loved. <laughs> he could feel a heartbeat all the time, his own and his mom's. So that's how some beliefs begin to form because we all need to get nourishment when we need it, to be safe when we need to be safe, to be warm and have a clean diaper, to feel loved, to be held when we want to be held. This is just a natural state. And most of us do not have Superman and Lois parents. I mean, our parents do the best we can, the best they can, but so often a need is not instantaneously met with a little baby. So then I wanna flash forward to a more aware part of our timing with each other. Three years old, two older siblings, they're seven and nine and they're reading prolifically. Mom and dad are loving it. They're getting so much attention. The three-year-old in the family is like, wait, I can't read. Oh no, I must be stupid. I'm the dumb child. I'm the incompetent child. Bing, that's a thought. So then if we flash forward to second grade, there's an art festival and everyone in our class is making art and we're having so much fun doing it. And we go out into the hall to put our art up and may we see the other art and we think we might think, because it's a contest too, we might have a moment of, wow, that one's really good. I bet that one wins. But I promise none of us were really caring about winning. We just were loving the experience. That's all great. And then what happens is the art teacher comes into the class after it's all over and gives each one of us guidance about how we could have made our art better. Whoa, <laughs> I'm incompetent. I don't even know how to use crayons and I'm seven years old. Bing, that's another example. 28 years old, I have a 32 year old boss. And I wouldn't say this particular boss was highly emotionally intelligent. First of all, 32 years is very young to be highly emotional intelligent, highly uh, emotionally intelligent. We are in a team environment. We're trying to solve a gnarly problem and I bring something very unique into the conversation and suggest that we look at it. What happens? Well, this particular manager was very unhappy that I did that. He stated publicly, I took a soft track, I diluted our energy and I wasn't helpful at all. So being, I have another experience of being incompetent and not intelligent in the moment. So those thoughts come together and develop a belief cluster. And maybe that's a thought cluster that's formed over a lot of time. And I've, I've identified it as danger, danger, Will Rogers. So then my automatic um, thinking process that wants to help with my survival, that wants to keep me safe, misinterprets, misinterprets that thought cluster as Danger is here. 
So when I put my attention on that thought cluster, my body fills with the kinds of um, parasympathetic or sympathetic nervous system responses that Patty's going to talk about in more detail in a moment. And I am not feeling good inside my own body. So what do I do in that moment? What many of us do actually is not helpful. What many of us do is when we realize we're having a thought that isn't supporting us, we actually wanna annihilate the thought. And not only does it not work, but it makes that thought stronger. So let go of that. Don't try that ever again. Don't try to get rid of a thought. It does not work. It does, it has the opposite effect that you want it to have. So what can you do now that you understand the system to operate proactively with it? The most elegant thing you can do as a response to a thought that's not serving you is to simply notice, whoa, I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm feeling a thought and open your hand as if that thought is a bird that you've captured and let it fly along with the 35,000 other thoughts that you're having that day that you haven't put your attention on. Sometimes the thoughts really caught us and our body is really out of sorts. And then we do something that Patty is gonna give you more opportunity to play with, which is deep breathing. Three slow, deep breaths starts to calm your nervous system and let all systems know that I'm okay. Another thing that you can do is you can put your attention on whatever's happening in your body. And it's helpful to begin to notice what you do when you start going out of sorts, when you get discombobulated. For me, I have a feeling of tightness in my gut and I have sometimes a feeling of extreme tightness in my neck and shoulders and I have heat rising. So I could put my attention, if this thought really has me by the throat, <laughs> literally feeling like that, um, I can put my attention there and just relax that. And when I fully put my attention on either my breathing or what's happening in my body, I'm bringing myself slowly back from that survival system into the present moment where I have access to whatever I need to succeed. So we also hit on, and we'll come back to the power of that awareness globe too, because it is so essential. When we notice we are feeling a thought, that is our awareness coming in as the interconnection that it is to play with our thinking and to support us in getting back into stasis and getting back into a relaxed state of who we really are. So that's enough for now, Patty. I'll pass the baton back to you. Great, thank you, Manju. So Manju just um, created a great um, background for the thinking area. And we're focusing on the thinking area because that's where we spend most of our time. And the universal mind, uh, you know, we started with just giving that direct experience because it's not something you can really think about or talk about. It's just a direct experience. So 
what I wanted to do was explore and deconstruct a little bit about how this thinking area works. Because when we know how something works, it improves our power of choice. And all of us are people who are very, you know, we, we were, we've become successful because of the way we use our minds and our powers of analysis. So when we uh, describe how your brain works, it's intended to support your ability to be curious about the unconscious operations of your brain, which I call the mind-body conversation. And when we refer to these unconscious actions that are happening, they happen in response to stimulus um, picked up by the brain. So, um, you know, this, this uh, uh, mind-body conversation um, is going on all the time unconsciously. And so when we want to enter it consciously, we just need to understand where are the opportunities for, our, for us to dip in. And, you know, Manju mentioned um, breathing um, and, and I'll go into that a little bit more. But first, let me, let me just describe our autonomic nervous system controls our involuntary activities. And it has those two aspects, the sympathetic flight or fight, fight or flight, as Manji mentioned, and the parasympathetic, which we call rest and digest. So when the fight or flight system is triggered, it happens when the brain picks up stimuli that interprets danger or stress. When that happens, the brain automatically dumps hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into your body, which increase your heart rate and sends blood blood flow to the large muscles. The idea is to mobilize the forces and respond to a short-term situation. So most of the time we're not in danger. Most of the time we get triggered because of an emotional um, response to a situation, but the body doesn't know the difference. So it dumps all the same hormones and chemicals into us as if we were in danger. And so it's so important to understand how to return to the parasympathetic state, how to enter into that mind-body conversation consciously so we can stimulate a different set of hormones to take over. So the vagus nerve extends to nearly every major system in the body, connecting almost all the organs between the brain and the colon. So the reason we always, and you probably hear it in yoga and wherever else, we talk about deep breathing is because deep breaths, as I directed you in the very beginning, stimulate the vagus nerve. And when the vagus nerve gets stimulated, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system which in turn reduces our neurophysiological experience of stress. It reduces our heart rate and our blood pressure and basically tells your body it's okay to slow down. It's okay to relax. So by entering into our mind-body conversation consciously, we're building a loving relationship between our mind and body. We're embracing our body's capacities and needs. And when we're triggered or in stress, we usually can't think of the things we can do to calm down because we're so flooded with these hormones and the body is just responding. 
But if you remember this one thing, breathe. Just that. And so I'm going to invite you all to, from after this, is to practice doing deep breaths at different times during the day so that you're going to build an automatic response. So the next time you do get triggered, you'll, re you'll remember there's going to be a, a, a wiring there to just automatically take a deep breath. It'll provide some space to stop and make a choice about how, how to respond when you're triggered. So there's one more that I wanna talk about and it's a little bit strange, but stay with me. So there's an, there is um, another action you can do and that is to relax your tongue. So we sub-vocalize our thoughts even when we're not speaking out loud. So when we relax our tongue, it's difficult to think. If your mind is racing, relax your tongue. And it's so helpful in meetings to control this part of yourself that isn't really listening because you're already thinking about what you wanna say about what someone's saying, rather than having the direct experience of listening and allowing whatever they're saying to land in your body in a particular way and really take it in. So we tend to be so busy listening to the inner dialogue that's going on, you know, that play-by-play -play announcer that keeps you removed from your direct experience that's interpreting and telling you what's happening rather than experiencing what's happening. So check right now, Listen, is your inner dialogue activated? Is it telling you about what you think about what I'm saying right now or what Manji was just talking about? Is there some kind of running commentary about what we're doing here? Well, let's together take some long, slow, deep breaths. That's the first signal to our parasympathetic to relax and slow down. Then relax your jaw. And now put your attention on the back of your tongue where it's attached and relax it, consciously relax it. And your tongue might just get kind of fat and heavy in your mouth. But when you do this, you're entering your mind-body conversation consciously. You're asserting some intention to slow down your thoughts. And when you rest your attention on your breath and center it in your body, in your chest, or in presence yourself, then you can just release enough attention to listen to my voice, for example. or just release a little bit more attention to pick up a glass of water. So I'm inviting you into that other sphere by linking your thinking into the awareness globe. When you play with your attention by treating it as a slider, I call it the slider of awareness. You're focusing on your breath presencing in your body, and you're all the way inside. You're on one end of the slider with your attention here. But when you're concentrating on a problem, you're typically uh, all the way on the other end of the slider. All your attention is outwardly faced and it might be laser focused on some problem you're working on. So play with 
what's all the all the um, nuance in between those two poles. Play with keeping a little awareness resting inside, taking a deep breath, just keeping a little awareness right here. And then release as much as you need for any task. So I'm simply bringing awareness to something you do unconsciously. That is the essence of entering the mind-body conversation, bringing awareness, bringing awareness to your breath, presencing within your body, and now noticing how are you using your attention? And these are some of the tools to make choices about all of it. Okay, over to you, Manju. Yay, that was so good. Um, and I wanna let you all know that I met my intention, <laughs> which is to relax my tongue. Thank you for that, Patty. Um, I learned that from you and I'd never heard it before and it is extraordinary in its impact. So I so appreciate that. So I wanna hit on um, one thing about the thinking system that I didn't talk about that is so important. These systems in our body, this aspect that is designed to keep us alive is so brilliant that as we work with it, as we let those thoughts fly instead of grabbing us, it naturally reconfigures to loosen its grip on us, to recognize that certain thoughts don't need tending and that we're not really in danger. And we literally can notice, and I, am, I know this from friends, I know this from my own direct experience, that we actually spend less of our awareness time attending to our thoughts than we did before we entered this realization of how we can work with our thoughts to lessen their grip, to remove them as obstacles. It's good to know how powerfully intelligent the whole human operating system is when we decide to co-create with it. So I wanna go back to the awareness globe that Patty just beautifully shared with us how we can work with and just tell you one little um, scientific experiment that I heard about uh, on an interview on uh, NPR about maybe three or four years ago. It was a group of scientists and psychologists at the front lines um, in the Middle East with our troops. And what they were experimenting with was to see if they supported soldiers at the front lines who had traumatic events in shifting their awareness right as soon after as possible, that awareness, that event had happened, would that make a difference with PTSD? And what they discovered was if they could put a soldier on the electronic game Tetris shortly after the traumatic event happened. So the soldier had something to do with their thoughts rather than reliving the trauma over and over again and creating that groove, creating that history story evidence loop. They did not develop PTSD. 
Now, I don't know how much peer review this uh, experiment has gotten, but it shows us the extraordinary power of our awareness and where we put our attention. So I wanna talk for just a minute about something that we said in the flyer about the connection between judgment and curiosity. When we are dinged by someone from the outside, we can actually know that that is not personal. That has to do with what's going on with them, their unique world experience, their unique reality. It really never has anything to do with us, what someone else does from the outside. However, we do react to it. We get our feelings hurt. We feel less than. For me, I often can feel incompetent. So that itself has become for me a little bell. Ding, 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 ding. Opportunities here. Ding, 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 ding. One of your old smelly stories is showing up. Opportunities here. And all I have to do is let, those, that, let that thought go. And as I relax more into my body, using one of the techniques we've talked about already, what shows up naturally is curiosity about that person. Every single one of us is doing the very best we can all the time. And we've all not had needs, needs met throughout our lifetime. So we're human and we react to things and we are all doing the best we can. So if I have a judgmental thought against myself, I can go ding, 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 and relax my body enough to fall into the present moment and see there is such compassion for me in the brilliance of my design for being human. We are human beings here. So that's how judgment and curiosity are related. Judgment is a great wake up call for accessing our innate curiosity. Creativity works the same way. Again, that awareness globe is so important. Where are we putting our attention? And when we notice where we're putting our attention, if we notice we're in the middle of a saga that is so well rehearsed, and we know it so well and it's so familiar. The minute we notice that's where our attention is, we can recognize that there's a better way to spend this precious moment of our life. And it's putting our awareness on who we really are, which actually has endless capacity and is the home of curiosity, creativity, confidence, and so much more. So those are the three globes. Um, and that's what I wanted to share, you, share with you from my experience about those three aspects of our human operating system and the human condition. That once we understand how they work, we can work with them in a way that liberates us to live the life we were born to live. Back to you, Patty. Thank you, Manju. That's beautiful. So I want to bring us back to 
something I mentioned in the beginning, this concept of Tori, living with spaciousness. So one example of Tori is leaving early enough to get somewhere so, so that you know when you get there, you have time to look around. That's my the edge of my experience because I never do that. And that's my, that's what I'm, I'm aspiring to. Another uh, example of a practical example of living with spaciousness or Utori might be after you read a poem or look at a piece of art or listen to a piece of music, just allowing it to hold you in its space allow a little silence and then allow that space to see, to allow you to see something differently or feel something differently. Maybe you already consciously add Utori into your life. Some people have a meditation practice, others walk in nature, write in their journal, read poetry, paint, dance, do yoga, play music, cook, or maybe just spend a half an hour gazing at the garden. Be curious about what works for you to give you that spaciousness to wonder and daydream. That allows you to relax into that space between what I was pointing to in the reality of who you are, what I was pointing to in the very beginning with David Bohm. So also like what we did in the beginning, remembering the moments when you felt that connectedness to infinity, because we get these flashes and then we, and we just feel that, that full connectedness to you know, the infiniteness of life. Bring that feeling forward into your present experience because you are an intersection of eternity and now. You are a unique expression of existence in this moment, arising out of the space-time continuum to become. Be curious. What is it you are becoming? So I invite you to attend to this courtship with the mysterious, with this eternally present consciousness that we all share, the universal mind, and our own awareness that we express in a unique way. Because if we don't do this, then the world is gonna miss something. The world needs us. So it's a call to live life with awareness and that our birthright is to give full expression to this mystery of existence that's unfurling within and around us. Trust in this, trust yourself. Let your confidence be grounded in this full recognition of the totality of who you are, instead of relying only on limited aspects of the thinking mind. Explore and be curious about the truth at the source of who you really are. And then embed this into the code of all your creations. So to end, I want to start where I want to go back to where we started and um, share one more David Bohm quote. And, you know, I, I also want to suggest looking up David Bohm and his mo the movie about him called Infinite Potential. I think you're going to love it. 
Um, so at some point deep within the implicate order, thought and language fail us and only sacred silence can reveal truth. That silence is the language of the whole, the universe expressing itself through us in a life of integrity rather than fragmentation. So thank you so much for your attention. I really appreciate it. Pearls, great job. You always do such a great job of getting me to calm down. There's a beginning going 100 miles an hour down to five miles per hour. So thank you. Um, you're always a great reminder of ways to be a better person, a better colleague. Um, I do want to ask you something, though. Um, I know that you do this type of work for companies. Um, Manju just put her company down there and how to contact you guys. Tell me the results you see from organizations, if they can you know, take, uh, take in some of the recommendations you've made during this call. Well, um, I, what happens is trust is developed within your direct work team, with, your, with the people who are, are leading you or managing you, with the people you're leading or managing, because we share a language about how we operate, how our individual unique realities get created, what our commonalities are, and that we do share a humanity that has foibles. And so how do we work together in that? And it changes everything, actually. And the other thing I'd say about it is when you start the conversation about building a strong trusted, uh, trusting environment where there's meaningful work and contrib contribution beyond the profit margin, so that you are contributing to the health and the joy of the lives of everyone that organization touches. Something magical happens and you're, you love getting up and going to work. And that's a shift right there. <laughs> and trust is a huge shift as well. Can I, can I just say something, Julie? I saw a comment in the chat um, about someone who said, I'm working on something and I really need laser focus. I don't need to rest in my natural self or my natural me. Can I just say that, and Patty, I'd love for you to respond to this too, but it is actually when we are completely relaxed that ultimate laser focus is available to us. When we are not relaxed, we're often in our head searching for something, which actually takes us further away from where we really want to be with our laser focus. And Patty, over to you for that. So um, I teach, um, uh, a, a, the class I teach, Hack Yourself, really shares a, a whole array of different kinds of practices, mindfulness practices and attention practices. So we just touched, this was the tip of the iceberg or, or the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of those practices is a laser focus practice. So, and, and, um, uh, but it, 
when we, as Manji was pointing out, when you begin with a deep breath, when you begin at rest, when you begin resting and connected with yourself, then you go from there and release your attention out into that laser focus. You have this anchor, this tether to your awareness and your awareness is connected to infinite consciousness. So it's, it's like bringing that focus all the way through, all the way, all the way. So um, what I encourage my students to do is to experiment. So I give a lot of different types of practices and we're all different, just like some people are more visual and some people are more audio and some people are more kinesthetic. We all will gravitate to a different practice and that will resonate with us and work for us. So um, I just recommend, you know, exploring, you know, experiment, experiment with the slider of awareness. Just notice, bring attention into where, into your body, release a little bit, notice how much attention you actually need to release in order for you to be present and aware and, um, you know, powerfully alert for your, for the, for your work. Patty, um, we all know that stress really impacts your health. Um, when I was going through cancer, you were kind enough to talk me through a lot of this um, that you talked about today about breathing. And I try to get up every day in the morning. I don't try, I do before anyone else does. And I try to have the quiet times and do the breathing and it really helps. Unfortunately, I need to practice a little bit more for during the day because we go so fast. But I mean, talk about the how this can help with the health, tie it all back to, you know, how the, you know, you see the impact of better health with these practices. Well, uh, I'm going to talk to you about a direct experience. Um, I took a job working at a startup company and I was running it and um, it turned out to be a big nightmare. I got, I was loaded with all the responsibility and none of the authority to, to, take action. And uh, I really hung in there because one of my core uh, characteristics is being loyal. So I really hung in there and I really tried to make it work, but I gained 20 pounds. I mean, I wasn't sleeping at night. It was really challenging. And I was, you know, I had been teaching all of these things. So it was extremely humbling to have that experience of knowing all of these different things, but yet being thrust into this level of stress that was really impacting my body. And one night I actually woke up in the middle of the night, went out to the sofa to, to you know, not disturb my partner. And I was looking on my iPhone for some kind of guided meditation to help me calm down. And I clicked on one that looked, you know, seemed like it might be good. And it turned out to be myself. It was myself <laughs> giving a talk, you know, three years before and walking uh, people through a guided meditation. It worked. I totally down, I ended up going to sleep, but that was my wake up call. And, and, and it was very humbling. So I, what I wanna say is, yeah, we can talk about these things and you can you know, kind of know these things, but put it into practice, start using it. Um, you know, our breath is always with us. Take it, just, just whenever you have a moment, notice your breath just to stop, stop and move your attention away from something you're working on and rest it on something, just even a color that looks beautiful. You know, just start to practice because um, as soon as I uh, quit that job, I actually moved to Mexico 
and I changed my life. I dropped all the weight. Um, I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. And um, I'm spending most of my time, you know, talking to people about this. So it's, bring, it's bringing this into my awareness and into my consciousness all the time. And um, it's, it's incredible um, the, the power of, uh, well, first of all, the parasympathetic system controls your immune system. So if you're always in uh, chronic stress, this, that means cortisol is at a high level and it never comes down because you never go into the parasympathetic. Your immune system never gets a chance to repair itself at the cell level. It's constantly, um, your body is constantly um, believing that it has to respond to some danger. And that's what chronic stress is. And that's one of the big you know, problems with our society and why we see so many heart attacks and things like that. So um, yeah, there's a lot of very, very pragmatic, I mean, there's tons of um, material out there on the pragmatic side of this. And because neuroscience in the last 10 years is doing a lot of study on meditation, you know, it's just 20 minutes a day of, of um, doing mindfulness practices can completely change your, your biochemistry and can change your life. So thanks for bringing that up, Julie. I had to mute myself because I had sirens going by and all I could think is I think I need to move to Mexico. So I have birds in the background all the time. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys, can you hear my birds? Yeah. I'm like, is that pre-recorded? And she has that on her iPhone. And I'm like, no. So my garden. <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you both. Both you ladies are wonderful. I'm, here's a big old virtual hug for you both. And um, we, I think from you see on the chat, a lot of people, are enjoying this conversation and we haven't lost one soul since it started. So if we were talking about best practices for Google cloud platform, we would have lost about 35 people by now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all. And feel free to reach out to these lovely ladies. And if you didn't, if later on you think I want to talk to them, just reach out to me at info at great data minds and I'll connect you back. So thank you so much. I'm going to ask Patty Manju to stay on. Thank you everyone for coming. Your attention is so appreciated. Yes, and, what a joy. <laughs> and thank you, Julie, for inviting us. Oh, thank love you so having much, you. Julie.